What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. But it was very evident that the growth of the students who were kind of on the lower end of the GPA was yeah. much, was in fact significant, whereas the ones who were in the middle and in the high end, it was not significant. So their growth in their ability for both writing and, you know, their writing skills, as well as their presentation skills, we had significant improvement in those particular students. So I always think about that, that, I mean, it is for everybody. It helps everybody, but it's especially helpful for those students who, you know, haven't really got their feet set in the path that they want to go. That is Kimberly Harris, Associate Professor in Elementary and Special Education and the Chair of Undergraduate Research Council at Georgia Southern University. Hello, I'm your host, Venkat Raman. Professor Harris was a school teacher before she became a university professor. As a teacher, you collect a lot of data on academics, achievement test scores, how to motivate students, what time of day they learn better, etc. Research on that data helps teachers make better decisions in the classroom, eventually leading to better education for the kids in their classrooms. Professor Harris joins us on our podcast to talk about undergraduate research at Georgia Southern, the role Kerr plays, the impact of research on students, success stories, and finally, the skills needed for high schoolers to do research. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. So many people who think that teaching, right, is right. Those who don't know teach that teaching is just such an easy thing, but the amount of kind of thinking on their feet Yes. That's required through specific knowledge of what data mean, how children are reacting to particular, you know, lessons or, or question beaming and things like that. That's a very important thing to know. And you have to have a lot of solid background in the research in mm-hmm. order to make those decisions impact kids in the classroom. So at Georgia Southern, I am the chair of the Undergraduate Research Council, and we serve as the clearinghouse. That is, we we monitor, there's a large number, we award a large number of undergraduate research assistantships every year. You know, Mm -hmm. we have a a line item in the Office of Research. We're situated in the Office of Research. You know, it is the national organization and certainly the most premier organization when it comes to undergraduate research. So for faculty, it provides a very solid research base for us to look at models and different Mm -hmm. ways to do that. But for students, it also has a variety of fundings. And that ability for undergraduate students, right, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, to go and present at these very prestigious conferences and, and be the expert in that field certainly can be life-changing for them as far as what, how they see themselves, how they see their life's work, like what do I really want to be when I grow up, that kind of thing. Sure. 
even if they don't know what they want to do, they yeah. should they should figure out some way to read and digest, um, you know, paper journals and papers that are research related. So mm-hmm. they can do chunking, they can do whatever it is. But those particular reading comprehension skills for research across all disciplines are are necessary. These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Professor Harris. So without further ado, here is Professor Kimberly Harris. Maybe the best place to start is maybe tell us a little bit about yourself um, and then we'll go from there. Absolutely. So I am currently an associate professor in special education at Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Um, my professional background, my PhD is in inter, it's called interdisciplinary teacher education, which just means sure? that, yeah, my PhD is in a field in which my purpose is to prepare teachers. That's, that's what I do. And mm-hmm. that's, and that's my primary job at Georgia Southern. Um mm-hmm. When I was a teacher in the classroom, um, I often had uh, student teachers, teachers who were studying to be teachers, mm-hmm. and and they kind of shadowed me in my teaching um, and learning everything that was to be about a teacher. And so I have some experience, obviously, before I got into academia, um, mm-hmm. you know, working with students who were in the field. And so that, that gave me a pretty solid background for... Um, you know, for growing up and being a teacher preparation, you know, somebody who actually does that. So, sure. so it was, it was a natural, um, you know, natural jump from working with students in the classroom to working with students in the classroom. It was kind of the same thing. So um, why did you get into this thing? What was, what was the driving passion? Um, so I noticed when I, so once I became a university professor, my job mm-hmm. was to go out into the classroom and observe teachers who were teaching. And mm-hmm. a lot of what teachers do has to do with data collection, for example. Um, you know, they take data on children's academics, obviously, and their achievement scores and their test scores and how well they respond to interventions and wh- how well they learn in the afternoon versus in the morning. So it was a large data collection piece. And a, a mm-hmm. lot of the job of the teacher is to figure out what that data mean so that they can better instruct, right? That's, you know, know, if you know those kind of things. And so I noticed that that connection um, in my student teachers between like they were actually collecting and analyzing data in order to make good decisions, that wasn't really clicking. They weren't Hmm. seeing the connection between themselves as a data analyst and, and how that actually, you know, improved their instruction. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of got what got me started on it. Um, sure. And so I started a couple little small projects um, trying to kind of be more explicit in, guess what? When you teach, you collect and analyze data. That's what you do. Right. And, so, and so that's kind of what got me started initially. Though certainly undergraduate research um, is prevalent at the, at the, in higher education. You do not see it a lot in colleges and schools of education. I was going to say that this is a perspective that I hadn't considered. I mean, it was 
I was intuitively, I kind of see that there is a action reaction response uh, kind of thing going on, but never thought of it as a data collection in the sense of an organized data science. So yeah, absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, you're right. And I think that we get that a lot. You know, I've had people come into me and say, you know, I don't really know anything about educational research. And I'm, I'm like, well, educational research is just research, right? I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just a very, you know, a lot of validity, a lot of reliability. You have to be, you know, very genuine in how you seek your population. Everything that we do, you know, especially in social science research, um, is, you know, is certainly, you know, prevalent in how we, how we go about doing things with any other human being. Right. And so, um, yeah. yeah, it's not a Petri dish. You're right. But, you know, it is certainly data. That's for sure. That kind of leads me to, um, you're big on undergraduate research. Um, why is that? Why is that important? Well, I mean, I think that, um, teachers themselves may, and it's, but, you know, in, in my in my field, in my discipline, people usually have always wanted to be a teacher, right? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. enjoy teaching. I mean, sometimes it's because they like children. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes it's because of the summer's off. I mean, there's lots of reasons to be that. Sure, sure. Um, But they don't often see, uh, they don't often see themselves as scholars, right? They don't mm-hmm. see themselves... At, they just see themselves as in a professional school. Um, you know, if they go into graduate school, it's because additional degrees um, increase their pay. And they yeah. don't see that as, um, I mean, obviously they see it as improved practice. I'm not saying they're just trying to, you know, get more money. I mean, right. they see it certainly as a way to refine their teaching and things like that. But undergraduate research, when you kind of elevate teachers into mm-hmm. teacher scholars, I mean, mm-hmm. they are the experts. And I mean, isn't that really what research is all about, right? Becoming, you yeah. have to be an expert at everything, but you can certainly be an expert at um, looking at data, figuring out what it means for you in your classroom, what adjustments you have to make, um, whether or not what you're doing is working, all of those things. That's a very complicated process. And there's right. so many people who think that teaching, right, is right? Those who don't know teach that teaching is just such an easy thing, but the amount of kind of thinking on their feet that's required through specific knowledge of what data mean, how children are reacting to particular, you know, lessons or, or question beaming and things like that. That's a very important thing to know. And you have to have a lot of solid background in the research in Mm -hmm. order to make those decisions impact kids in the classroom. So obviously undergraduate research in my field is extremely important because it's not just, I'm not just impacting, you know, my class of 30 undergraduates, you know, those kids Mm -hmm. are then impacting maybe 30 kids if they're in in elementary school and maybe, you know, three times, four times 30 if they're in middle school and high school. So there's a huge impact on really creating teachers who see themselves as scholars. Your point about this is like, you know, the multiplying factors are huge, right? Um, one one student impacting 30, impacting, you know, a lot more. So many, many more, right? And, and you know, that I think that we, that we, you know, we always think about that. Like, I don't particularly have 
or maybe I do, but I, I'm, because I've been in, in higher ed for a long time, but I don't particularly have, let's say, uh, my favorite chemist, but mm-hmm. by golly, I have my favorite teacher, right? And I think yeah. that that connection that we all have, I mean, we're, most of us are in school, a minimum of 12 years. And so that particular connection to really prepare teachers in a way that it elevates the teaching profession themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and so therefore, you know, elevates their position in the classroom for kids. I think that that, I think that that's a really important thing. And so, um, and we have such a connection to our teachers when we're growing up, you know, that it, yeah, it would be, yeah. that it would be nice to ensure that those particular people who are in the classroom are doing a good job. What's your role in sort of fostering undergraduate research at uh, Georgia, Georgia Southern? So at Georgia Southern, I am the chair of the Undergraduate Research Council, and we serve as the clearinghouse. That is, we, we monitor, there's a large number, we award a large number of undergraduate research assistantships every year. You know, mm-hmm. we, have a, we have a line item in the Office of Research. We're situated in the Office of Research. And mm-hmm. so, um, so it's, it's a university-wide, certainly some colleges that you might expect um, who do a lot of work with undergraduates. In other words, the undergraduates themselves might be working in particular labs and, and those right. things. They also may have people at the college level who also kind of facilitate, um, you know, different aspects of what the research is. But the Undergraduate Research Council serves as a clearinghouse and a place for um, helping students when they're writing, uh, for example, travel requests. So we fund students to travel. All of those particular things come through our council. It is a volunteer service mm-hmm. um, position that is situated in the Office of, of, under, uh, Office of Research. Um, and then also in my role as the as the chair of that board, I just finished um, chairing the planning um, committee for our very successful research symposia. And so we mm-hmm. had one. We have two campuses at Georgia Southern, one one in Statesboro, which is the primary campus. And then we have a smaller campus in Savannah. And we mm-hmm. had one on each campus, primarily undergraduates. Um, yeah. You know, getting to promote and from all disciplines across all colleges. Um, and so, yeah, uh, so that's kind of what I do. Um, I, you know, answer questions, redirect, help people find mentors in their particular discipline. Um, and obviously there's a whole committee that does those kinds of things. So that's that's what I do with undergraduate research at Georgia Southern on a giant scale. In the little tiny scale, I run the undergraduate research project that we have in my program, in the undergraduate program in special education. Tell me a little bit about CUR, how you guys work with CUR and how they help Georgia Southern. So we, um, and we have had a long standing relationship with CUR. I mean, on any given, you know, in any given, um, Series, you know, series of years, we have several counselors who sit out on Kerr. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just now rolling off of the executive board at Kerr. Certainly, mm-hmm. I mean, it in and of itself, you know, brings innovative ideas. For example, how to reach minoritized populations, right? How mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Um, how to address, you know, because undergraduate research isn't just for honors kids, right? It's for right, everybody. Right, right, and right. And so, how how to you know different funding techniques to get um, 
you know, to get students perhaps on campus earlier, you know, before before their freshman year even starts and get sure. them kind of excited about what it looks like to be a college student and do research. So Kerr provides a whole and not to mention, you know, invited speakers and a whole variety of webinars and support for the National Conference on Undergraduate Research, which our students go to every year. So, um, you know, it is the national organization and certainly the most premier organization when it comes to undergraduate research. So uh, for faculty, it provides a very solid research base for us to look at models and different Mm -hmm. ways to do that. But for students, it also has a variety of funding so that they can attend in their discipline conferences at incur so yeah there's um you know different monies and funding available for a whole thing through the council on undergraduate research the national chapter within georgia southern now um you mentioned a bit about infrastructure and resources now how how are you finding the participation across different disciplines students i mean give me a feel for um how many undergraduate students actually, you know, engage in research? So, and, and certainly that, you know, that is also kind of a flux. So in some yeah. colleges, um, undergraduate research is um, what we call a cur a, or a cure, right? A <laughs> curriculum. So that the, the, so for example, in the, in the SPED program, in the undergrad SPED program, they have a yeah. course in research and they uh-huh. have a follow-up course in which a research activity is embedded, right? Sure. So that is those, sure. that's that kind of curriculum-based research experience. And everybody who's an undergrad in special education has that research experience, right? They all collect mm-hmm. data. They all analyze their data. It's kind of up to them. Obviously, I don't make them present. But they do fill out a proposal, all of those particular things that will kind of get their feet wet in research. And you see that across disciplines. So, you know, you see that in human ecology where they have, you know, a similar thing. Some some of the humanities, for example, um, it might look like a literature review and you have particular students inside and outside of honors who become, you know, very interested in everything from how, you know, Beowulf looks like a Marvel comic book Mm -hmm. character. I mean, a lot of that. And so because we have the infrastructure in place, so for example, if that student does that particular research is supported by the faculty member, which is encouraged because as faculty, we get credit for it. We get credit Mm -hmm. for helping our undergraduate students. And then they want to go, I just, we just funded somebody to go to Denver, right? So they want to go halfway across the country. There's monies that are available. And many times both the college, so that the College of Arts and Sciences, the College Mm -hmm. of, you know, Science will also provide additional funding, right? So they'll pay the registration and we'll pick up the rest of the tab. And that ability for undergraduate students, right? 18, 19, 20 year olds to go and present at these very prestigious conferences um, and and be the expert in that field certainly can be life-changing for them insofar as what how they see themselves how they see their life's work like what do I really want to be when I grow up that kind of thing. sure but sure. outside of presentations I mean it's very common for us to include um, you know for those students who continue through like for example who finish their bachelor's degree in my field 
go get a mm-hmm. teaching job and then continue to work on their master's, they continue that con- that particular piece of research throughout their graduate work, right? And that's not mm. that's pretty common across disciplines to do that. And so, because we have a pretty, um, you know, a, a pretty static um, faculty when it comes to those particular pieces, that faculty mentor can stay with them, you know, while they finish their graduate work and things like that. So that's been my experience with it, and I've certainly seen that across all disciplines as well. Do students start engaging in their freshman year, or what? What are you finding typically? Well, uh, there are certainly there are um, there are disciplines absolutely where that recruitment starts as soon as they make, so they can do what's you know they kind of predetermine what like they're in a pre-education track or they're in a um, pre-chemistry track where they think that they're going to, they they think they're going to major in a particular field. And so there are certainly professors, for example, in chemistry or biology, microbiology and the hard sciences who look for those students, right? Because they want to get them as early as they can so that the student will have the entire research experience all the way through all four years, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we know that those students, right, who get involved in undergraduate research, they have better retention, right? They stay in school. They're more likely to graduate. Their GPA is higher. Um, And they're also, you know, they have a better shot of getting in grad school if that's where they want to go. So those particular benefits of getting them, you know, when they're pretty, young, I would say, you know, 18 years old, you just walked on campus and you have a university professor approaching you and say, hey, would you like to work in my lab? Hey, would you like to help me with this data collection that I'm doing on a large scale right through a survey? So those particular things can really, you know, hook kids and make that connection between them and what they want to do. Even if that, even if they end up not wanting to do that, that particular experience of working with faculty like that, you know, can be, make, make a huge difference in how a student feels about themselves. Do these kids actually hear about research? I mean, is there something in the orientation program? There or? is. We have, a, yes, there is. Yeah. There's a problem that we have that we have at Georgia Southern. This is when they first come in. But, you know, it's yeah. a lot of information when they're walking in there, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's that's right. Everything from housing to everything else. But the Office of Research does, in fact, and we have webinars and a whole variety of things. For us personally in the College of Education, once they get into what's called the pre-professional block, so we're talking yeah. like first semester sophomores, and yeah. they've, they've, they've decided that they want to grow up and be a teacher, and so they're in that block. We go in, there's six or seven of us who go into those particular sections and say, hey, this is the opportunity that we have for you. And you can mm-hmm. see right away that there's going to be some students who absolutely, you know, they, they may not want to do like the large group project, right in the special yeah, ed they're yeah. going to do something else but they have another idea for or they would like to help a, a university professor with their own research with their own data collection so a lot of it is recruitment and i think that that kind of personal touch of going in the classrooms rather than just hitting a link um yeah yeah is what makes recruitment much more fruitful you know it's just better to no, see no. the real better to see the real person you know it, and certainly because we've done it that way, we experienced some loss during COVID, right? Because we weren't yeah, yeah. To make, even though we were given, you know, 15 minutes, you know, during virtual classes and things like that. It's just not the same. It wasn't the same. Yeah. What percentage of undergraduate students end up doing research? Is it 
20%, 40%, 80%. I would say, yeah, I would say it's probably not counting the honor students, right? Not right. Con- because they all, they have something like that. I imagine that it's somewhere around one in five, about 20%. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a good number. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, one of the things that I hear a lot is about how it shapes a student, how it changes them, provides them new skills. Um, any interesting stories that you have or uh, well finish? I think and, and I'm not gonna steal if you if you ever get a chance to get Dr. Jamela Coe's on here I'm not gonna steal her thunder though she certainly is our our most outstanding well no, we have a lot of good but I mean just when I think back when we first started this program we mm-hmm. wanted because the honors program had always offered right had yeah. always offered this research opportunity and they would hook them up with mentors who were very well skilled and they were all in a cohort and they learned all these particular research-based skills, data collection, all those particular things that they were doing, and, you know, in, in a rather lot, you know, a hundred of them, right? In a cohort. Yeah, yeah. And so when we, we wrote a little tiny grant, um, a little seed grant to get this program off the ground. And one of the things that we were looking at specifically was to make sure that it was just for everybody, right? Now, to be yeah. in the teacher ed program, you have to have a two a 2.75, so not a B, right? Just a little tiny yeah. bit below a B. You have to have that to get in. And then to get out, in other words, to graduate and, um, and get your teaching degree and all that, you have to have maintained that. So you can never go below that GPA. And okay. so, um, and in different professional schools, right? Nursing, it's they say it's a three seven five, but they don't let really anybody in there without a three nine. So, yeah, you know, just it's just how those things work. So when we first started this, we did a cohort, um, a cohort model of six students, and we and we invited. They were hand selected, and we purposely picked students who were in that range of yeah. GPA. So two who were just kind of two seven five ish, right? Two mm-hmm. who were kind of 3.2-ish, and then mm-hmm. two who were 3.3 and above. And mm-hmm. it was very evident we had a whole bunch of different ways of measuring it, including some um, including some standardized tests. But it was very evident that the growth of the students who were kind of on the lower end of the GPA was, yeah. much, was, in fact, significant, whereas the ones who were in the middle and in the high end, it was not significant. So their growth in their ability for both writing and, you know, their writing skills, as well as their presentation skills, we had significant improvement in those particular students. So I always think about that, that, I mean, it is for everybody. It helps everybody, but it's especially helpful for those students who, you know, haven't really got their feet set in the path that they want to go because it gives them so much more interest and certainly you know, they feel better about what they're doing because they understand it more. And, and, you know, that kind of feel good moment when they recognize that what they're doing is really going to improve them in whatever field they're in. I think that that has a lot to do. So when we talk about success stories, I always like to think, you know, it's really for those people who don't necessarily look at themselves as researchers. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and and so that's why it's, it has certain, I mean, it's, it's been, and that's been true across the board. So we've been doing it. We're in our 10th year now. And so that has been true across the board. And so it went from kind of a select few because we didn't have necessarily all the support that we needed from the faculty to now where all the students in the special ed undergraduate program are doing that. And mm-hmm. so that, that growth, um, you know, has been helpful for all of them to, 
you know, see that it, it is, it, it is a profession, right? It is a vocation. It's a calling. And yes. there's a lot of things that go into doing that. You know, it's not just stand up there with the instructor level book and try to teach out of it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Now I, I find um, what you just stated about the study um, fascinating because is, is it, the, I mean, is it the case that these kids that were at the lower end of the GPS spectrum, um, you feel didn't have the opportunities or didn't have the focus or both? Uh, I think in some, it was the opportunities. I think in some, they were never, um, they were never spoken to or viewed as being capable, right? Mm -hmm. And so they just kind of fell into that, or, you know, they were not given, you know, they didn't necessarily raise their hand for opportunities. And so they right. weren't ever called upon, but to give them, you know, especially now where everybody's got to do it, you don't even have to raise your hand. Um, yeah. That has certainly made a big difference. So yes, I would say in both ways, right. That they were reluctant to do it because maybe it seemed like a lot of work and they didn't, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't what they, that wasn't their, you know, swag they didn't want to do that but then once they got in it even though it certainly is work I mean it's it doesn't just come to you you know you have to do it um it became it became more important right it became more important for them to do that um because it made sense to them right oh this is what it means to be a teacher right this is how yeah. I improve this is how I improve the outcomes in my classroom by looking at these things that are telling me really important attributes and characteristics about the kids in my classroom. And boy, now that I know this, I can really make a difference. And so I think that that, you know, cause it, it kind of feeds on itself, right? Yeah, it yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What kind of skill does any kid, I mean, my kid, I mean, undergraduate student doing research, what kind of skills and characteristics do they gain, you think at the end of the day? Um, well, if they, so if they're, you know, certainly if they're working in a lab, right, that's yeah, something yeah. entirely different than working in the humanities. But if they're working in a lab, I think that precision that requires, you know, the, those particular things and ha that attention to detail, all mm -hmm. of that is and that will always serve them well. Right. Mm -hmm. As well as, you know, the written skills insofar as writing up lab reports and being specific to the data that's presented for those in maybe some of the, you know, softer sciences, the other disciplines, the humanities and arts, that recognition that they've created something, that they have done something, that they have found something and talked about something that nobody else has ever talked about before. I, find, mm -hmm. I think that 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 particular skill, trusting their own um, trusting their own interest and, in, you know, if I find this interesting and look, by golly, other people find it, find it interesting too. And the mm -hmm. connection, the connections that they make between what they've read and what they think about, yeah. what they personally think about, right? Certainly it's based in the literature, but their ability to make those leaps beyond stuff that they've ever written or read before, right? They, they create new knowledge. Yeah. And I think that that, that, that willingness to kind of trust yourself that you're going in the right direction, you know, certainly is going to help you for, for, you know, the specific disciplines insofar as, you know, people who might, might be trying new trials in physical therapy or some of the health sciences, those things have impact, you know, way beyond what, you know, what might be recognized, for example. But, you know, if I go back to the teaching, 
the all the impact that all of us have, you know, mm-hmm. regarding improving a student's understanding of how the world around them works. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's bound to be a good thing. You guys are doing a lot of stuff uh, in undergraduate research. So as the chair, what's ahead for uh, research at Georgia Southern? So we had to reboot the symposium this year. Obviously, we've been virtual for the last two years. So, yeah. um, and so I think that we're, so nothing is ever, right? No, we're not the same as we were, you know, pre-pandemic. And so yeah. we, we are certainly looking for um, more connection between the disciplines. I think that that's going to be important. I know mm-hmm. that they're investigating again what, you know, some, um, I know that you've had my friend, um, Dr. Raines, Tim Raines at Emory, what they do where they promote yeah. um, undergraduate research as soon as they set foot on campus at Emory. I right. think that we are certainly investigating things like that just because of the benefits of undergraduate research. Yeah. Um, as we have done things across the state of Georgia and not just Georgia, but everywhere, for example, relaxing, um, relaxing uh, standardized tests, you know, right, as right. far as not requiring ACT and SAT as much. Um, that that means that we're going to have to be sure that when the kid that when we get the undergraduate students, that they're aware of some of the rigors of what it takes to be in college. And undergraduate research is a way to kind of hook them in and mm-hmm. make it, and make it more relevant to them, right? If they're interested yeah. in doing it, yeah. then it's not going to be oh, this is a book I have to read or you know a page I have to fill out. Yeah. As we start uh, winding down, uh, Kimberly, I wanted you to give us, give the high schoolers out there some advice on how and what kind of skills they ought to develop for research. What should they be working on right now? So even if they don't know what they want to do, they they should figure out some way to read and digest, um, you know, paper journals and papers that are research related. So mm-hmm. they can do chunking, they can do whatever it is, but those particular reading comprehension skills for research across all disciplines are, are necessary. Now, mm-hmm. certainly they'll get some guidance on how to best, you know, look at things like the results pieces and, and the discussion pieces and things like that. But going in and reading things that really take, you know, that you have to ingest and you can't just read it one time. You have to go back and read it several times. I think that those particular types of skills are there. I think that collaboration is a huge skill. Very rarely do we ever do any kind of research undergraduate, graduate as faculty or anything else by ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. We Mm -hmm. are normally doing things as research teams. We write grants as teams. Um, and so that ability to collaborate and recognize what piece you're good at mm-hmm. and, and be able to promote yourself in that particular field, right? That I, I'm really good at, I'm really good at wrapping it. If you will tell me what the, what the, what we found out, I'm really good at looking at the conclusion. I'm really good at looking at the implication. What does this mean? And being right. able to recognize that skill in yourself, which obviously by reading will help you. But that collaborative piece is also very good. And then recognizing that, um, it's, and I don't care if you're going to an R1, an R2, a, a bachelor's only, liberal arts, whatever whatever size school it is, recognizing that faculty really do want to do research with you, 
right? Yeah. That's something that faculty really want to do and being comfortable with kind of figuring out things maybe that you have questions about, like mm-hmm. why does it why does it work that way? Yeah. And telling a faculty saying I'm interested in and in trying to figure out, you know, why 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 do we have a schedule? Why does school start at eight o'clock in the morning? Why does school go till three o'clock in the afternoon? I have questions about that. And mm-hmm. and you will find faculty who are just as interested as you are. And yeah. so I, I think that that's the important thing to be able to, to read really well, even when it's difficult to be able to reach out and collaborate and, and work with other people and know what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that takes a little while and then sure. to be, and then to advocate for yourself when you get in school so that, you know, you will do that outreach to people, including faculty and staff and other students who may be able to help you in that. No, those are fantastic uh, suggestions. And um, I hope the high schoolers listening out there pay heed to this. So, Kimberly, thank you so much for making the time. This has been a very exciting conversation. I really want to talk to you much more in the future, but for right now, thank you. Take care and be safe. Thank you. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Professor Kimberly Harris of Georgia Southern about undergraduate research. Specifically, Professor Harris covered the role of undergraduate research, undergraduate research infrastructure and resources available to Georgia Southern students and faculty, success stories, And finally, advice for high schoolers. I hope you pursue research during your undergraduate years and explore Georgia Southern for your undergraduate studies. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are available on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash almamatters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Alma Matters. Matters.